And like you said, I don't want to get political here, but what is your take on Crocs with socks, Mark? Welcome to Name Image Likeness, the first podcast dedicated to the NIL world. Student athletes are now empowered to profit from the sale of their name, image, or likeness, and we want to talk about it. I'm Wheeler, and today I'm joined by Chrissy, and we serve on the NIL compliance team at Victory Fi. So for today's pod, we'll be speaking with the Director of Athletics at the University of Alabama at Birmingham, Mark Ingram. Mark is a former student athlete and has held leadership positions in many collegiate athletic programs across the country. And because of the recent legislation changes in the state of Alabama, Mark and his athletic departments are the first at UAB to help guide their student-athletes through the NIL world. Take a listen. The interview is great, and we'll check back in with you after the episode. Today, we are joined by Mark Ingram, the Director of Athletics at the University of Alabama at Birmingham. And uh, thanks for joining us, Mark. Yeah, happy to be here. Thank you for having me. So, um, Mark, you know, you have a pretty relevant history for our podcast, so we're pretty excited, you know, did a little research on you, and I know you were a student athlete yourself at UT, um, go Vols, I'm from Knoxville, you know, I know you served as the assistant athletic director um, for development at the University of Georgia, the assistant athletics director of development at the University of Missouri, the senior associate assistant the Senior Associate Athletic Director at UT, the Executive Senior Associate Athletic Director at Temple University, and now you're the Director of Athletic... Oh, gosh, your list is so huge, I'm getting tongue-tied. But now you're the Director of Athletics at UAB. I mean, that's quite a resume, Mark. That's that's wonderful. <laughs> well, thank you. Yeah, it's a mouthful. But um, yeah, I've been fortunate to work at some great places and have really enjoyed living everywhere that we've lived. And we have four children, and we've been able to raised them in some of America's great college towns and uh, and also Philadelphia, which is a, a terrific city and a vibrant, spirited place that we really enjoyed. And and then now, you know, Birmingham, Alabama, which is a, a bit of a secret here in the South, in my opinion, uh, because we don't have a professional sports team. People don't realize it's quite as big as it is, but it's, you know, it's bigger in terms of population. It's bigger than Memphis and it's bigger than New Orleans and, and just uh, a great, great place to, to raise family. I completely agree. So, you know, guilty as charged. I'm also from the Birmingham area. I grew up in Hoover. So, yeah. Yeah. So I'm pretty intimately uh, familiar with it. Um, So kind of getting into it, Mark, first question. Are you ready? Yeah. Put it on (laughs) me. Let's do it. All right. Get right into it. Do you think there's an advantage in being one of the first 15 states to pass legislation on uh, NIL? Yeah. I don't know that there's an advantage to it. We happen to be one of the first. and Alabama has got some some uh, some language in the law that I think are really positive that, you know, prevent any association with gambling, alcohol, tobacco, uh, pornography, these things. That, so we're able to 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 let the law help us in that regard uh, as we guide our student athletes through opportunities that may come their way. Awesome. So, OK. Um, so as far as like. You know, you you uh, you're an early adopter. I'm assuming with not only legislation but um, with influencers, a program you use, correct? Can you tell me a little bit more about influencer um, and, yeah, and what Influen- they do for you? Yeah, influencer actually is a Birmingham-based company, and they've done a great job uh, marketing themselves nationally. And we signed on with influencer back in 2017, which was which was a brand building uh, platform. That's what it was. Helped uh, our athletic department build its brand but also associate with some of our student athletes and we sort of hand in hand, hand in hand, help each other 
build our brands and even former student athletes. So we've got uh, one of our, our former football players is a country music singer named Sam Hunt. Well, if you're if you're connected with Sam and, and how we both can, you know, use one another to to build our brand. Same thing with the guy that played for the Falcons named Roddy White, who's one of their all time leading receivers. You know, even though he's not with us anymore, he, he's a blazer. And so being able to to connect one another intentionally to for brand building sake. So we signed on with them back in 17. They've added this software package, um, which is a. Uh, um, it's a compliance type software so that if you as a student athlete have a, a, an NIL opportunity, you can, um, you would say to the business, you register that business through the influencer app. All the student athletes have that app on their phone. When you get paid, the person pays and it tracks that payment uh, back to our compliance office. So we know that you were paid the amount that was agreed upon. Uh, and not more than that. And so that's all the, uh, the, that's what we've done. And that's what the influencer app does mainly and has some other features, but that's the, the key reason for that partnership is, is for compliance purposes and uh, allowing us to monitor how they're paid. And it, it even tracks payments through Venmo and some other things like that. So really cool. uh, just trying to keep everybody uh, eligible. Mm-hmm. You know, what, what we don't want is, everybody thinks they're doing something that's permissible. And then like, you know, third week of the season, you're starting tailbacks ineligible for some unintentional hiccup. Mm-hmm. You know, that's been kind some of Instagram our Instagram post. <laughs> yeah, that's been our big fear is that everybody's doing what they think is okay. And then somehow it's not, it's like, it's okay till it's not okay. And when it's not okay, it's a problem. And, and, and so that's, that's the reason for our connection. And so we just added really to our existing relationship with influencer. Awesome. Awesome. And so you mentioned brand building and, and that's something that we find really interesting. Yeah. Um, you know, not only for the student athletes, simply because now they have the opportunity to, you know, monetize themselves as people, also as student athletes, but also um, for companies and businesses around Birmingham. And so I wanted to kind of know or kind of see if you've seen any um, really input or any influx from from the Birmingham businesses trying to work with your athletes at UAB? Um, do you see any local businesses trying to get deals? Are you encouraging that? And then, or are you trying to ask your student athletes, hey, go out and find businesses that you like, that you're interested in, like you mentioned, the country singer, um, find ways that, that they can promote a brand for them and kind of like take the opportunity for themselves. Are y'all, yeah, how are you handling that? Well, you have two separate um situations right. one one is take big state school doesn't matter where it is take big state school that has tens of thousands of overzealous fans um who basically now see an opportunity to pay players and call it legal and they are finding ways to sign up for some deal that has nothing to do with the, the student athletes true value you know prior to all of this if you look at professionals you know, if uh, LeBron James did an endorsement deal, LeBron James, the best basketball player in the world, like for some company to want to connect with LeBron James, like that makes sense. You know, how can a company or why would a company affiliate themselves with a 18, 19 year old student athlete that's never actually played in college? Why would they do that? Well, they're doing that because they can hide behind this legislation and find a way to attract those athletes to their big state school and I, I don't buy it. And I just uh, I think that's part of the downfall of the 
system. And everybody in college athletics knew this was going to happen and tried to explain it out to legislators before it happened. That's why the NCAA fought it forever. I mean, the one thing we've tried to prevent since the dawn of, of our existence was you can't pay players. You, you know, we're mm-hmm. paying them through our scholarships already, but you can't just give them cash. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we give them, we pay for all their meals and their housing and all their travel. And we, heck, they probably get, you know, a thousand dollars worth of clothes every year. And, uh, and, you know, and like gear, you know, like warmups and t-shirts mm-hmm. and sweats and stuff Your just swag, to walk around yeah. in. Not, not, not talking about practice stuff. I'm talking about just walking around gear. And, and now we have cost of attendance stipends on top of that, which is cash that they can spend any way that they like. And, and so we warned against this, uh, but that didn't happen. So then you have other schools. We are one where, yes, there are Birmingham businesses that have reached out and they're more thoughtful about it. And the questions I get from them is, you know, can we add a morals clause? Like what happens when we, you know, sign up with, uh, this young person and they do what young people do, which is we all make mistakes. And just as we're young, we make more of them. And, um, and they do something that we don't want to affiliate with. Can we drop them? I said, look, it's a contract between you and them. You can do whatever you want and they can sign it or not sign it. You know, that they, they don't have to sign the deal, mm-hmm. but um, you know, we, we've had people approach us and approach our student athletes. We have a few very small deals. None of these six and seven figure deals that you see, talked about around the country, but you know, there's a handful of those. There's not, there's not, uh, it's, it's not like a, I have 400 student athletes. It's not like 300 of them have some big deal that they're all retiring on. That just, it's just fictitious. That's just what gets played out in the media. And a lot of people who've made a lot of money from this name, image and likeness situation, um, whether it's somebody that has software to help you with it or, somehow do brand building, whatever it is, they are telling a false narrative, which is that people like me are just, I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've heard somebody say on national media, oh, these ADs are being hammered with this every day. They're being bombarded with these questions. (laughs) No, we're not. No, we're not. And it's not just me. I mean, no, we're not. I mean, I had zero questions before it became legal. Zero. And and I, I still have zero questions. I've had I've had some businesses ask me when they just see me out in the community. Hey, we're thinking about this. What? Mm-hmm. And I connect them with our compliance office. I, I, good luck, you know. Um, but I haven't had student athletes beating down my door trying to figure out a way to make an extra fifteen cents off of a social media post. We got some doing it, but it, it's 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 absurd, really, to the way that it was all done and. And really, uh, sadly, typical, you know, the way our, not to get into a, a, you know, political discussion, but just the way politics are, it's it's not about right or wrong anymore. It's how can they be reelected? And I just feel so strongly that so many of our of our legislators, quite candidly, got their name involved in this discussion because there was so much national attention around it. And it just popularized them personally. Mm-hmm. And I, I spoke to some of them and and they, they had no idea what they were talking about and they just and they were we got to do it we got to do it I'm like you don't even know what you're talking about <laughs> what about this this and this and this and they're like oh that'll never happen I was like <laughs> it took eight seconds for those things to happen so um but they've moved on right they're not involved in it they got it done they got their name out there and they've moved on to the next thing the when's my re-election you know mm-hmm. so it's a it's a sad situation and it's 
ultimately what we all of course worry about is long-term what does this mean for college athletics you know we've been educating people for a hundred years who have athletic gifts and help them get a college degree and and leave with little to no debt and uh, my fear is that somehow that model goes away so that's Mm -hmm. that we'll see you know we're all trying to guard against it but you never know right and you do see that kind of changing too with you know one and done kind of scenarios and and you know, transfer rules changing. And it, it does seem like the, the college world's kind of opening up to, um, you know, let the student move around more where they want to go and where the opportunities present themselves. I mean, you know, you're trying to build a program. That's tough when your guys are moving around. So that's, well, uh, and, you know, on this subject, you know, the, the politicians were so certain that, that people wouldn't use this in recruiting, that the schools were not to be involved. <laughs> well, that's that violation. They're not to do that. I mean, and there's kids openly saying, well, I was committed to school A, and I'm going to decommit to see if there's better opportunities if I go somewhere else. And there's other people who haven't even shown up, and they've got these seven-figure deals waiting on them if they sign to play football or basketball at this particular place. I mean, who's kidding themselves here? I mean, and I'm not listen, I'm not opposed to people making money. I'm, I'm really not opposed to the concept, but much of what was argued that they should be permitted to do, they could already do. You know, it was like, oh, these kids should have an opportunity to get a job. They can do it now. We never, they, they were never not allowed to do that. Very few of them did it because they don't have time to do it, mm-hmm. you know. But if you're legitimately asking somebody to, I don't know, do social media posts or appearances at your business, those things take time. And, you know, you can't just get the money for nothing. You got to go work for it. And um, and then you've got, you do have a very small number. And I'm talking about 10 mm-hmm. people. Uh, not 10 per school, 10, who who have so many social media followers that they legitimately have got some businesses who've said, hey, why don't you, I think there's some young ladies at uh, Fresno State, uh, two sisters that have a, oh, the, a big the twins? deal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But like during the pandemic, like they built up this monster TikTok following. I consider that a legitimate deal, mm-hmm. right? They've got this big following. Like I'm, I'm totally supportive of that. They were already at Fresno. Nobody recruited them there because of that deal. They were there. They built up the following. And people said, man, we'd like to associate ourselves with that group of people. That's okay. Mm-hmm. I just don't like the recruiting piece of it when it's just so evident that it's the same as, you know, if you were a school that had allegedly been handing bags of cash to kids and now you're in an NCAA infractions case, if that happens today, those people just call it a name, image, and likeness deal. Mm-hmm. It was a deal. Yeah. But and how do you stop ago, that? Was, six months ago, that was the most egregious violation in the history of sports. Death penalty, right? <laughs> I <laughs> mean, right. Kid, um, super interesting. Um, so how do you feel about, I know we've kind of talked about some of the downsides, but in terms of some of the education pieces, and I know Influencer has partnered with some Um, some companies to provide the financial literacy and time management pieces. That's actually part of what our company does as well. Do you, how do you feel about the athletes having to take some additional education just in life skills training? Is that beneficial? You know, how do they feel about that? Honest opinion. You know, what do you think about that? Well, it's definitely beneficial, but keep in mind, we were already doing it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's not new. We, we, all of us were doing some amount of life skills training, um, you try not to overburden them with these things. 
you say it's mandatory, but sometimes they have a night class, you know, or you say it's mandatory, but their team is on the road traveling. It's never a, like the, the, the date when you do it is never perfect. Uh, so there's always some number of people that would miss it. But we've done social media training, uh, like basic do's and don'ts mm-hmm. about, you know, don't ruin your life over a social media post type things. And, and even worse, don't ruin her life. Over a social media post. Every college student needs that, not just just the athletes. Yeah, everybody needs this, right? So we've done that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, we've done financial literacy before. State of Alabama requires that as part of the law now to be a piece of it annually, which I'm fine with it. Mm -hmm. Um, The difference, I would say, in that training today versus before is, is really centered around taxes. And if you, you know, if you're, if you're going to get paid by somebody, you need a 1099 and do you understand what that is? And, mm-hmm. you know, if you make this much money, do you understand how much you're going to pay in taxes and just being aware of that? And then, you know, when and how to file taxes. So those are things that most of them have never done. They've heard of it, but they've never had to do it themselves. And so, uh, no, it's positive. There's certainly nothing wrong with that. Mm-hmm. We were actually just having a conversation the other day about, I guess taxes included as well, but student athletes that do get the opportunity to work with even just small local mom and pops having to look at contracts for the first time. And I know the school is helping with that and reviewing. They have to disclose everything, but what a responsibility for those students to have, you know, you come in, you're doing your sport. Now you're having to kind of navigate this, this world. Um, I guess it, how confident do you think students are? I know you've just, right now, the students have kind of had limited exposure to that, but in terms of looking at their own contracts and do they feel decent about taxes or have you heard any, you know, feedback from the students about how they feel about kind of jumping into the business world now? Yeah. Who do you know that feels good about that? <laughs> it's a short list. I got to meet that person. I'm interested in meeting that person. Well, they're going to be boring and they'll be working at a desk at the IRS is what they're going to be doing. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Yeah, I, I mean, um, they are permitted to hire somebody, an agent of sorts, to help them with these things. They certainly can hire, a, just like all of us, a, an accountant to help them with their taxes when it's time to do it, you know, to file properly. Um, they haven't had to cross that bridge yet. You know, mm-hmm. let's see how things are in February, March, and April of the spring and how people are starting to have to do that. But um you know, I, I doubt that anybody feels good about it yet. They understand it and they realize that's a part of the equation, but uh, having to file it hasn't, hasn't happened yet. Well, switching gears, um, <laughs> October 2nd, I think you have a, a big event going on. Um, in case the listeners don't know, UAB's new stadium, uh, Protective Stadium, is uh, officially ready for the season opener for UAB football. Um, and so, you know, we're talking about facilities, new facilities. That's a great recruiting tactic. Um, it's really positive, and I think that's one that's actually attracted many top-tier athletes to, organiz- to universities across the country kind of since the beginning. I mean, you have people offering cryotherapy. You have people offering all kinds of this and that. Um, and so then we kind of get into NIL deals. Well, first off, I want you to you know brag about how awesome your new stadium is going to be and for the city because I think that's going to be fantastic. Yeah. And also, um, you know, eventually when these big deals come out, if they do, you know, Subway starts approaching student-athletes. Uh, do you see that they will be competitive in that co- facilities versus NIL opportunities? Will they be an equal playing field for getting, you know, students to go one way or the other? Um, well, first of all, thank you for talking about our stadium. Yeah, Protective Stadium uh, is 41,000 seats, and it's uh, 
what I think is the nicest college football stadium in the country. And it really is that good. And, you know, naturally people kind of go, oh, not as good as my place. But, um, and I haven't been everywhere, but I've been a lot of places. I've worked in the Big 12, the, the, uh, the Big the Big East, the American Conference, Conference USA, and I've worked in the Southeastern Conference twice, and I've been a lot of places, and it's the nicest place that I've ever been uh, for a college stadium. Now, there are some places, I, I used to work at Temple, they play where the Philadelphia Eagles play. It's an NFL stadium, and it's gorgeous. South Florida plays where the Buccaneers play, and it's gorgeous. So I'm not, I'm not counting that, um, though I think we certainly have some things about our place that maybe are better than those even. But uh, for, for a college team and a college stadium, it's spectacular. Uh, and it's right in downtown Birmingham uh, near a restaurant shopping district uh, that is really great next to a couple of our, our larger uh, convention style hotels. And uh, so, so there's a lot of parking and a lot of you know, hotel rooms within walking distance of the stadium and, and just a spectacular venue for college sports. And yeah, we open up next Saturday, October the second, against Liberty. Uh, that'll be the the first football game in the stadium. So we're really excited about that. And our ticket sales have gone really well. We still have tickets available, but um, we're just dramatically uh, farther along uh, in sales than we were a year ago and and two years ago, even if you go pre-COVID. So uh, that's all going really well. And you know, we built a lot of infrastructure for our student athletes to be successful here on our campus. This facility really is for our fans, and uh, and they certainly deserve it. They've been through a lot, and they've watched a lot of uh, lean years of UAB football. But, uh, you know, like I said, building the infrastructure, which is a practice facility that is by far the best in our league and better than a lot of people around the country, including those in the Power Five, um, we, we now can recruit better talent that talent has a better place to train and the results yield themselves on the field. Uh, and that's why we've won three straight division championships and two conference championships out of the last three years. So, uh, and, and, our, and who knows what will happen, but we're favored to pick or we're the, the favored team to, uh, to win the league again this year. So you got to play and, and you got to be injury free almost, but uh, just the fact that people are recognizing that you have that kind of ability is flattering, and again, doesn't mean you're going to win it, but you certainly have recruited the talent to to win it. So, um, I'm glad for our fans mm-hmm. that now they'll have a place, a venue, to watch this team that is equal to where we we practice. So, um, it's spectacular. Yeah, thanks. That's exciting. I bet the Absolutely. whole yeah, uh, the city of Birmingham. I hope you go support them. Um, UAB needs this, and it's going to be fantastic. And like you said, go eat some food, go watch the Blazers, and um, just have a great time. You know, enjoy the city. It's it's turning around. It's looking good. Um, you know, top golf in the morning, go to the Blazers in the afternoon. You know, That's right. It's tough to beat it. Whole day planned. <laughs> okay, so our um, final, less serious question, hard-hitting. And like you said, I don't want to get political here, but what is your take on Crocs with socks, Mark? What What do you think? How do you feel? Well, I used to have a few pairs of Crocs. Oh, no. <laughs> and, and I used to tell people when they would see me wearing them, I said, they're as comfortable as they are ugly. And that's, that really says it right there because they don't look good, but they feel great on the feet. But I, don't, I am not a fan of any flip-flop, sandal, Croc with socks. I think <laughs> that you can't do that. My grandpa did that. And, you know, what are you going to say to your grandpa? 
But, you know, if you've got any sense as a younger person, you can't wear Crocs and socks. I saw somebody doing it earlier today, and I immediately <laughs> thought of you. I thought, They're going to talk about this later. There it is. I should have taken a picture and sent it to you in advance. Oh, that would have been perfect. That would have been perfect. We actually, it's funny, we we met the uh, the creators of the Crocs. Yes, we did. The family. And, um, you know, I guess it is one of those ideas that is inspired by what you'd imagine. They were in Mexico, and uh, they're on a boat drinking tequila. And they wanted some boat shoes. And what was invented out of that was Crocs. And That, that makes sense. It seems like someone who would. Yeah, they stamped them out, and then it became a, a world phenomenon. Yeah, they float, and they uh, they don't make marks on the boat. You know, when you're That's on right. a boat, if you wear like gym shoes, regular sneakers, like like think of like a running shoe that has a black sole. Mm-hmm. If you scuff your feet, it makes these black marks all over the deck of the boat. And uh, that's what Crocs don't do. So, yeah, they're a great boat shoe and they are really comfortable. But no socks. They're not great to look at. <laughs> I mean, that's the hottest take we got in this whole interview. That <laughs> yeah. the most important thing I said, probably. <laughs> Oh, that, thank you so much, Mark. I mean, do you have anything else um, you'd like to kind of add? We absolutely appreciate you speaking with us today. This is wonderful. Yeah, well, I'm thrilled to do it. Thanks. And hope uh, people uh, in the Birmingham area will come out and support the Blazers. And we've got a great opportunity in front of us. So I uh, appreciate you giving me some time to talk about that, too. Thank you. Absolutely. Go Blazers. We loved speaking with Mark this week. Next time, we'll speak with Michelle Meyer, the founder of the NIL Network. If you have any questions for her, let us know. You can reach us at contact at victoryfy.com or on Instagram at name image likeness podcast. Thank you for listening. Please rate and review the pod. Catch you next time.